0: how can we change this for the better with more and more strength coaches, athletic trainers, physical therapists, surgeons, what needs to be done? Well, we need to stop using hop testing as discharge criteria and looking at limb symmetry index. Athletes are asymmetry, are asymmetrical, mm-hmm. like most of the time. And the current Melbourne criteria is a 5% difference at discharge. There are labs uh, uh, all over the world that could show you up to a 13% difference and possibly no risk to injury because other metrics are so high and well-established. How, so how assessed how anybody that's listening or watching? Oh, like this what? is assessed on force plates. Like that would be the goal. Like a goal, jump the or with extended. a... Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Goal, the jumping, jump testing, single leg jump testing. Um, double leg land or single leg land? Both. Yeah, okay. both. So if you have dual force plates so you can measure the legs independently, you could do a double leg land. Right. Or yeah. Or you could do like in my lab at the university, I have uh, four stacks so they can double leg land, but I can still get the data on both legs. Which if I can, I can, it is, and it it gives us things, you know, what I think that does for a newer practitioner is helps you see the things that people that have been coaching thousands of hours can already see. Right. Like a, um, a lack of ability to absorb force, that sort of thing. Because usually you'll, you, you know, if you watch carefully, you, you can see differences between left and right. So back to your question, what can we do? Well, we need to shift our focus away from outcome testing. Outcome testing is how far did they jump? How high did they jump? How far did they jump three times? And then measuring that against the, non-operative side like we got to get away from that and what we need to come back to is looking at kinematics looking at how people move right so if you have somebody do a hop on the spot at 14 weeks 15 weeks so so the mid-stage of rehab I don't use weeks by the way I use early stage mid-stage late stage period hmm. I just returned a guide to collision sport at five months post-op I returned him. I did in April. He's a 30-year-old professional athlete. He's a big boy, literally. He made the choice. I I told him what the risks were. He made the choice. He is now eight and a half months post-op and injury-free, and he competes every weekend internationally in a very, very rigorous sport. It's kind of a mic drop moment, no? right, I don't I don't know, maybe, maybe I, you know I and I'm not saying this to to Breg or to say, Look what I did. I think this is pretty special um yeah. on his end. I think we tried to do everything possible, um, but going back to my first point, as soon as somebody can weight bear on one leg, and again, it's not about weeks, it's when they're able to do that. Then you need to start getting them to do single leg squats on one leg, but it's not about hitting 10 reps. That's what all the research, Justin, like my <laughs> office floor right now is covered in oracles.
1: Anybody which that's most listening, she got, yeah,
0: she's got a big Into stack, right? the garbage or shredder or whatever destroys things because... It's so focused on this outcome data and not focused enough on movement screening. Now, having said movement screening, movement screening is a shitstorm all of its own. Okay. There is no movement screen that can tell us really anything definitive about risk of injury. But what it can tell us is that someone moves like crap. Yep. And we're not going to load that crappy movement. And we're not going to put speed on that crappy movement. Okay. That, that we know. And so, when I'm teaching movement analysis um, qualitatively to my students, I'm like, this is why we do it. It doesn't predict anything. It doesn't give us insight into whether or not someone's going to get hurt. It tells us whether or not we can load that movement. So, that's why early on in the rehab, you have them do a single leg squat and you start looking at the ankle, the foot, barefoot. They've got to be barefoot. I, I also do all my rehab barefoot. Almost all of it, even outside. Then we look at the knee. Then we look at the hip. We look at the trunk. We look at the posture. We look from the front view. We look from the side view, right? And we have just a basic checklist and we look for things. And then we coach them. And then we rescreen them. Because if you coach them, you tell them exactly what to do, then you know if they own that movement. It's there. It's in the vault. Now you just need to reinforce the correct movement. Problem with movement screening is that, well, the way that Greg Cook sort of suggested, he said, okay, don't tell them how to do this. Just see how they naturally move. Right? (laughs) What? It doesn't make any sense at all. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) right so it's like what that's mean first of all that's just mean full disclosure we didn't do that at iowa we're like fuck that we literally printed off a sheet and was like here's pictures of it i'm gonna tell you what you need to do show me if you know how to do this not because like totally and so you want to bias them a little bit like when i did my master's thesis i taught the kids how to get the best possible vertical jump score so i could actually test their power versus do they know how to jump because it's a skill right you got to consider all movement is skill so an overhead squat with Adele is a skill teach them the skill then see if they can get into it see what kind of range of motion they have see what kind of compensations they have and you're going to make notes on this and then coach the you know what out of these people coach them coach them coach them on how to do these things really well and then you can rescreen their movement Or you rescreen their movement in their training session with you. You're Mm. like, oh, okay, that's cleaned up. That's better. That's improved. And you you just keep building, building them, building them. What I'm seeing in ACL rehab is that at a certain stage, we need to test the drop jump. What? So you're going to push someone off like a box, right? They're falling. They're falling. They're falling. They smash into the ground. You've not taught them how to absorb load. You've not taught them... You haven't even prepared them to absorb that level of load. Now it's like eight times body weight and they're doing this on one leg. Mm -hmm. Except Justin, the criteria for the drop test is to be able to leg press twice your body weight on one leg. I don't know any athletes that can leg press twice their body weight on one leg and what athlete actually leg presses. Correct. Nobody, we Correct. don't give a leg press in your gym. No, like at, at any university. And what's university, your depth? What do you, are you calling? Is it femur parallel? Is it hamstring parallel? What do we say? 90 degrees. So, I mean, it's just bizarre to me. Like these are separate skills. And so the literature 100%. calls yep. these, yep. they call these progressions. <laughs> okay. I'll give you a good progression. Here's a progression for your audience. Please do. Please do. This is a progression. Yeah. Now I'm getting stressed. Okay. So you have kids and they, did they learn to walk? Are they walkable? My kids are Their walkable. Kids? Yep. They can walk. Okay, they good. They sure can. Okay, so this is how they learned to walk. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm going to nail this. Okay, so they pulled themselves up. Mm-hmm. And they held on to something, and then they kind of rocked a bit. And they did that for a while. Okay, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, cool. And then they were like, holy shit, if I hold on to this couch, I can do this. And I can move, <laughs> like, sideways and forwards, but I'm holding on to shit. Okay, cool. That's step two. And then three... They let go, and they walked a couple steps, and they fell over. Is that what happened? Kind of? Yeah, a little like bit. Something like that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they walked four more steps, and they didn't fall over, and then five, and then six, and then they were walking, and then they were running. That's... Like, I teach growth and motor development at the university, so we go through like these stages of motor learning with kids. And if we go back to that information and we think about rehab and we think about progressions, if you are having an athlete do a pogo leap, so a two foot pogo up, and you tell me that the next progression is a single leg hop, you are now in the category of, Oh my God, you have no idea what you're doing to me. Correct. Because Correct. they're completely different. And if you actually tried this shit yourself before you taught it to other people, you would know that there is a gap between these two motor skills that is this wide. So, back to the problems in the research is that we've got people that are good at research people that collect data, people that are in a lab collecting this information, which is great. We just don't have enough people on the ground doing good rehab plans. And understanding load, mechanical load, and understanding motor behavior, biomechanics, and how they relate to learning skills, motor skills, and progress, it progress in a it's not periodization either. It's just progression. It's just a linear progression from A to Z. That's why my course is called ACL Rehab from A to Z. Z to me is a collision athlete that has to decelerate rapidly and absorb massive amounts of force. That's Z. It told, someone told me, if you said, Carmen, I've torn my ACL. Can you please rehab me? I'd like to return to jogging. I would say, Justin, there is no honor in jogging. No, I wouldn't say that to you. I would say... <laughs> I will return you to o does that make sense so it's a to o for the jogging client a to z is a different client and so we've got all this research not really being clear on what is the task that this person has to get back to and then so we're going to do hop testing with the person that wants to be able to jog, we're gonna do hop testing with the person that wants to break change direction and absorb contact. As a linebacker, is that the same thing, right? No, so it's it's super important that therapists understand the different demands of sport from the lens of mechanical load, you know? And if you haven't played these sports, that's Mm -hmm. fine. Mm But at least as an s or a therapist, get out there and do the drills to understand like, wow, if I sprint in a straight line for 20 yards and then put the brakes on and then cut at a 90 degree angle, that's pretty hard compared to sprinting for five yards and doing the same cut. Oh, okay. Now, but I, I'm not being like a jerk here, but now we can, oh, oh now we want to do like a a hook pattern right like a 180 degree cut like that's really common in soccer athlete runs forward plants their outside foot and then has to redirect their their movement 180 degrees back the same direction they came the forces on that are much higher than Mm -hmm. a 45 degree cut right linear speed like all the track people out there that um think that it's like running in a straight line is is god's gift to performance good for you but again I, I i if the person only does like 45 degree cuts in their sport that's going to help but if they have to be able to you know completely change direction and in basketball i mean they're Ooh, changing yeah. direction every one to three seconds yep. basketball is the ultimate form of change of direction and reacceleration. So, and to in order to reaccelerate, you have to decelerate, so there's very little little linear speed. The only thing that I love about linear speed coaching is this idea of it happening somewhat in the sagittal plane, and that when we do teach change of direction well, we are teaching athletes to refine the sagittal plane as quickly as possible because that's where they can generate the most power and where there's less aberrant forces on the knee.